Our scripture reading this evening is taken from the Gospel according to Mark and chapter 15. The Gospel according to Mark, chapter 15. Mark has brought us through the ministry of Christ, through his dark betrayal night, and has brought us now to the day of the crucifixion. Immediately in the morning the chief priests held a consultation with the elders and scribes and the whole council, and they bound Jesus, led him away, and delivered him to Pilate. Then Pilate asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? He asked and said to him, It is as you say. And the chief priests accused him of many things, but he answered nothing. Then Pilate asked him again, saying, Do you answer nothing? See how many things they testify against you. But Jesus still answered nothing, so that Pilate marveled. Now at the feast he was accustomed to releasing one prisoner to them, whomever they requested. And there was one named Barabbas who was chained with his fellow rebels. They had committed murder in the rebellion. Then the multitude, crying aloud, began to ask him to do just as he had always done for them. But Pilate answered them, saying, Do you want me to release to you the king of the Jews? For he knew that the chief priests had handed him over because of envy. But the chief priests stirred up the crowd, so that he should rather release Barabbas to them. Pilate answered and said to them again, What then do you want me to do with him whom you call the king of the Jews? So they cried out again, Crucify him! Then Pilate said to them, Why? What evil has he done? But they cried out all the more, Crucify him! So Pilate, wanting to gratify the crowd, released Barabbas to them, and delivered Jesus after he had scourged him to be crucified. Then the soldiers led him away into the hall called Praetorium, and they called together the whole garrison, and they clothed him with purple, and they twisted a crown of thorns and put it on his head, and began to salute him, Hail, King of the Jews! Then they struck him on the head with a reed, and spat on him, and bowing the knee they worshipped him. And when they had mocked him, they took the purple off him, put his own clothes on him, and led him out to crucify him. Then they compelled a certain man, Simon, a Cyrenian, the father of Alexander and Rufus, as he was coming out of the country and passing by, to bear his cross. And they brought him to the place Golgotha, which is translated place of a skull. Then they gave him wine mingled with myrrh to drink, but he did not take it. And when they crucified him, they divided his garments, casting lots for them to determine what every man should take. Now it was the third hour, and they crucified him. And the inscription of his accusation was written above, The King of the Jews. With him they also crucified two robbers, one on his right and the other on his left. So the scripture was fulfilled which says, And he was numbered with the transgressors. And those who passed by blasphemed him, wagging their heads and saying, Aha, you who destroy the temple and build it again in three days, save yourself and come down from the cross. Likewise, the chief priests also, mocking among themselves with the scribes, said, He saved others. Himself he cannot save. Let the Christ, the King of Israel, descend now from the cross that we may see and believe. Even those who were crucified with him reviled him. 
Now when the sixth hour had come, there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour. And at the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, saying, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which is translated, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Some of those who stood by when they heard that said, Look, he is calling for Elijah. Then someone ran and filled a sponge full of sour wine, put it on a reed and offered it to him to drink, saying, Let him alone. Let us see if Elijah will come down, will come to take him down. And Jesus cried out with a loud voice and breathed his last. Then the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. So when the centurion who stood opposite him saw that he cried out like this and breathed his last, he said, Truly, this man was the Son of God. There were also women looking on from afar, among whom were Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James the Less, and of Joseph and Salome, who also followed him and ministered to him when he was in Galilee, and many other women who came up with him to Jerusalem. Now when evening had come, because it was the preparation day, that is, the day before the Sabbath, Joseph of Arimathea, a prominent council member who was himself waiting for the kingdom of God, coming and taking courage, went into Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. Pilate marveled that he was already dead, and summoning the centurion, he asked him if he had been dead for some time. So when he found out from the centurion, he granted the body to Joseph. Then he brought fine linen, took him down, and wrapped him in the linen, and he laid him in a tomb, which had been hewn out of the rock, and rolled a stone against the door of the tomb. And Mary Magdalene, and Mary the mother of Joseph, observed where he was laid. May God bless the reading of his holy word. Just for a few minutes this evening, I want to direct our attention to a few words in the first epistle of Peter. First Peter, chapter 3 and verse 18. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God being put to death in the flesh, but made alive by the Spirit. Here we are on Good Friday, gathered around the Lord's table, the remembrance of him that he himself has ordained. The Apostle Peter wrote these words in the context of advice to those who suffer for the sake of Christ to those who are persecuted he speaks of Christ as our example but he cannot simply dwell on Christ as example Christ is first and foremost our saviour we here, here see the atonement set forth for us Christ also suffered once for sins oh the marvel that the Christ God's anointed saviour is the one who suffered for our sins. And was it for my sake that Jesus suffered so when moved by his all-powerful love he came to earth below? It was for us he hung and suffered there. One who is not merely a servant of God but who is God with us, Emmanuel. God incarnate, who came to suffer and to die. 
It is a marvel to look upon the cross and see there where God the mighty maker died for man the creature's sin. Because we cannot separate the, the person from the work. Who he is. God incarnate. The great revelation of the love of God is in the cross. The great revelation of God's love for his people. For sinners. Because Christ suffered once for sins. And the word once here has the force of once for all time. It is in contrast to the many offerings that were made under the law. The law had so many different sacrifices. The law had that annual day of atonement. But Christ suffered once for all time. His suffering is unique in every way. There have been martyrs in history, many martyrs who have laid down their lives in witness For the truth of God's word. From righteous Abel to the present day. But Christ is not a mere martyr. His death is utterly unique. Why? Because he suffered the just for the unjust. He suffered in our place. As Peter says back in the previous chapter. 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 24. Who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree. And this is of course the great reason why Christ agonized in the garden. Because his death was not simply death. It was vicarious punishment. He bore our punishment. Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, he cried. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? We may not know, we cannot tell, as the hymn writer says, what pains he suffered there. But we believe it was for us. We believe it was for us he hung and suffered there. It was for us, for us he died. Our sins he has carried. The just one, the, the only man who was completely without sin. Died. Now the wages of sin is death. He therefore alone of the entire human race did not need to die. And he alone of the human race chose. Not simply the circumstances of his death but the fact of his death. Indeed the martyr chooses the circumstances. The martyr who confesses Christ Boldly dies. But Christ chose the very fact of death. Christ chose the very fact of suffering. He did not have to suffer. He did not have to die. These things were not laid upon him as a matter of nature. But they were freely taken even as he took to himself the human nature. Body and soul. That his soul might be made an offering for sin. That his body might on the cross be broken. That that human nature might be sundered. Body and soul by death. He chose to die. The just for the unjust. He chose to suffer in our place. He chose to bear our sin. 
that we might go free. How willing, says the hymn writer, how willing was Jesus to die that we guilty sinners might live. It is a marvel, as the Apostle says, that Christ died for the ungodly. We, we can imagine, as the Apostle puts it to paraphrase the Apostle, we can imagine somebody dying for a good man. Here is a great benefactor to the human race. And he is in danger of death. The assassin perhaps springs at him. And one who sees this great benefactor to humanity puts himself between the assassin's dagger and the benefactor, the good man, and dies instead of him. We can understand that, but we cannot comprehend why it is that the just should die for the unjust. That the unjust should die for the just, we can understand. But we marvel at the the depth of the love of God. The just died for the unjust. That he might bring us to God. Because everything else is part of the means. The end of salvation is that we might be brought to God. It is God and sinners reconciled. It is that glorious picture at the end of the scriptures. Of the new heavens and earth. And the dwelling place of God is with men. That the great gracious covenant is fulfilled. I will be their God and they will be my people. And he dwells with his people. To bring us to God. Even now today we have access. And even now today he is with us. For he has said, has he not, lo I am with you always. Even to the end of the age. As he said to his disciples in the night in which he was betrayed, I will not leave you as orphans, I will come to you. Hallelujah, he is with us. Faith believes nor questions how. By the Spirit he is with us. We do not see his face, we do not see his form, we know he is with us. By the Spirit. The day is coming when all his people, we shall be, as the Apostle says, forever with the Lord. To bring us to God that man may dwell with God forevermore. Because Christ has died the just for the unjust. Because Christ has borne our sins and carried our sorrows. We shall dwell with him forevermore. And we shall see his face. And never, never sin. And from the rivers of his grace drink endless pleasures in, as Dr. Watts puts it. We shall be with him forevermore. What a marvel it is to remember as we come to the Lord's table that Christ died. Christ also suffered once for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God. It is finished, he says. He has completed the work the Father gave him to do. There is therefore no condemnation for them that are in Christ Jesus. His suffering and death is once for all. There is no need. For a repetition. There is no need for a representation. He has died. And so he invites his people to come to his table to eat and to drink in remembrance that Christ died for us. And so we come giving thanks.
For Christ also suffered once for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive by the Spirit. Amen. Amen.